Hey listeners, welcome to 10x Growth Podcast. This is your host Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor and board member. Today, we will feature the book Modern Monopolies by authors Alex Moazit and Nicholas L Johnson. The book starts with a bold statement that platforms are eating the world. We will explore that through this conversations. I'm currently leading marketing for the developer platform and marketplace apps at Freshworks and so this topic is is near and dear to my heart. Our guest today is Deeraj Pandey, co-founder and CEO of DevRev. Deeraj formally founded and ran Nutanix, a 7000 employee Nasdaq publicly traded software company. I had the fantastic opportunity to work with Deeraj at Nutanix and experience the growth trajectory from 200 million to over 1.5 billion in revenues. Deeraj, welcome to 10x Growth Podcast. Thank you Preeti and uh, really appreciate it. it's an honor to talk to you uh, and uh, looking forward to this podcast. Thank you. So why did you choose to read this book Modern Monopolies? You know I read it once before maybe a couple of years ago when Gokul had come to talk about it uh, maybe 2 to 2 and a half years ago. Gokul is one of my friends advisors mentors from like 25 years ago from in 1997 1996 days gokul is uh, somebody uh, i even talked to back in 96 97 about you know what do i do in my career i had lots of options to choose from and and uh, he had gone on to build adsense and adwords at google and then he was at facebook and then at square and now he's at uh, doordash built a lot of these networks and you know at some level he had come and talked about linear businesses and platform businesses and suppliers and uh, you know consumers uh, on a network uh, and it really uh, fascinated me when he said look sometimes when you just bring suppliers you can actually see demand grow as well so sometimes when you bring supply demand can grow as well and that's when we got uh, alex and team to also come and talk to us about modern monopoly that nutanix uh, but then when the pandemic struck is when i started to draw some parallels with the virus you know drew this very macabre sort of parallel as to how the virus is also a platform you know it's uh, it's not a linear thing it has its you know network effects that are very that have been very deleterious to human kind but uh, there's a notion of a network effect there and it likes an unfragmented market you know uh, obviously we tried to break the network with with lockdowns uh, and things like that but there was some real surreal parallels in 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 how the virus was a platform by itself and um i just went and reread it and i could see draw all these parallels that were fascinating in many ways uh, and of course uh, as i was thinking through my decade at nutanix and we built a great linear business and uh, how i was thinking about the next thing and uh, what it meant to really build a platform i thought it's time to reread it so you know I've just been reading the book because I like the overall storytelling. I don't agree with everything, but there's a lot of things that are worth taking away. That's fantastic, Deeraj. You know, I really appreciated how you brought so many wonderful authors when we were at Nutanix. Uh, I remember not just with the Modern Monopolies that you we also had authors like Brenier Brown come in and talk about amazing things and uh, so certainly uh, you know it's so important for us as technology uh, technology founders or even technology uh, professionals to look at all these different uh, important structures and uh, and see what we can do 
to apply them. So in that note, what are your top three takeaways from the books and any tips on how to apply the takeaways? I mean, it's interesting you you bring up the topic of uh, authors and people that could have learned from. In many ways, uh, you know, even the book talks about it in the network effect itself. The question is, could we have brought in some celebrity users or high value people into the network of Nutanix employees? And that's what we try to do is to you know increase the network effect because one of the core theses of the book is this idea of uh, the notion of network effect. Uh, it describes itself when the behavior of one user has a direct impact on the value that other users will get out of the same service. So trying to bring in those people, you know, the way we brought in Deepak Malhotra and Mike Robbins and Brené Brown and many of those people into our network was about creating that network effect, you know, this spirit of constant learning and evolution. So I think that to me was a very fascinating thing about about the book. Uh, Of course, it talks about the core transaction, which is elusive. You know, not many companies get it right. They try to build networks and uh, service platforms and many of those things. But to keep it simple, core transaction to be simple and elegant and profoundly delightful is another big sort of thesis of the book. And uh, of course, this aspect of linearity and superlinearity, you know, one is simple interest, which is what you get with linear businesses, which happen to start early and get early revenue traction and such, but compounding takes time. So the idea of superlinear companies, which is what platform companies are, and how you need to be patient with them was uh, another very important pillar of the book itself. Great, great three points out there. And uh, the fact you talked about how linear business can actually bring immediate business, but for sustained value to look at a platform business model. You know, to add to your point there, I run marketing for the Freshworks platform. It was a new opportunity last year that I got to embark on. And uh, it's it was really amazing because we built the platform from scratch. And as a marketer, I've always constantly gone after what, what are some of these new opportunities within companies that can then shape the future of any company. And when you when we had the linear business with the, the CX, IT, and CRM, which is the customer support and the IT business and the CRM business, there was this opportunity to bring a standardization across all of those through a platform. So customers have that same experience, the uniformity, when, whether they deal with product A or product B. But it was also beyond that. How do we go to our ecosystem and and then leverage that or and create that network effect that you talked about and bring in all these developers, bring in these partners, help partners build businesses on top of Freshworks, right? So that is something I, I, I'm really excited when I hear that there's a partner who got on the network and built a million dollar business in just a one year, right? So I get very excited when I see other startups getting successful. And I think at Freshworks, we have sort of, uh, you know, created that environment, uh, uh, and uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, right? How, uh, you know, any further thoughts you have? I think you bring up a very good point, and uh, it goes back to this notion of a very simple but very important notion of network effects of as to how uh, the behavior behavior of that one partner they are building value on top of your platform, how it can impact the value that they provide to their users, you know, and how the users are now seeing value because of you. Now it's easier said than done because you know, as you know, in business software, uh, there are companies like let's say Zendesk that does customer support, 
Um, and then there are companies like Salesforce Service Cloud that also do customer uh, with the Service Cloud. And yet one is more customizable and extensible than the other. So abstractions will matter in this as to who can go and create more value. But I feel like uh, there's more to this because up until now in B2B, we have not let the customer's customers talk to each other. Uh, you know, they've been sort of isolated. In many ways, that's a big opportunity. I mean, if you looked at all the consumer platforms that really came together and, you know, we you know, have looked at how uh, the value they've created for not just the users themselves, but discoverability of new users and and, and how employers have come on so let's say platforms like LinkedIn and advertisers that come on platforms like Facebook and Google and others. Like, what does it mean to really connect uh, has been a very important lesson in the last 10, 15 years of consumer internet. And I think we're barely scratching the surface of what connect means. I mean, it's not just customers. Obviously, that's a linear business. Even in SaaS, that's a linear business. But to go to customers, customers. And to have them learn from each other and, and to have them share their knowledge graphs with each other, I think is a very powerful concept. We will see more of, you know, going forward um, in this space. And in the book, very interestingly, talks about two kinds of, you know, networks, the, the platforms, you know, the exchange platform versus the maker platform. And it's uh, interesting as to how both of these consumer internet world We've barely scratched the surface of those in the business internet world. Absolutely. I think you brought up a very good point. I was also excited when I read about this maker platform versus exchange platform. I, I didn't know that there was such a you know, way to call the different types of platforms, especially the ones like Uber, where people can go and just exchange goods and services versus something like a Salesforce, Force.com or a Freshworks platform where they can make app, make apps and 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 then build infinite business right that there's no limit i'd love to hear any other thoughts on how can entrepreneurs choose what type of platform to build uh, to bring that value to their customers and the customers customers that you talked about yeah you know the book talks about as i said a very simple idea of the core transaction and how do you really focus on the core transaction how do you get the most amount of value by introducing just one core transaction and keeping it profoundly simple and elegant and delightful is a hard problem it's a design challenge you know if anything um if you think of the successful uh, b2b companies you know the idea of let's say deal in a crm land you know how do you keep that simple uh, was not easy and to really you know have enough extensibility on it because obviously uh, the core objects of salesforce for example were highly extensible for the people to go and express themselves on top of it and yet there are other platforms that are not as extensible for the end user so they couldn't go and create value on top of it but keeping that core transaction extremely simple and delightful is a hard problem it's a design challenge now in the new world a lot of that will only be possible through, as you mentioned, you know, developers through APIs. And that also is a design challenge. You know, one might think that creating APIs is easy, but it's as big a design challenge and, and selling those APIs to developers who are very picky about things, you know, is as big a design challenge as consumers were when it came to ease of use. Uh, so not every company will succeed with the API economy, you know, and you have to make it uh, look like an experience design problem rather than just spraying and praying APIs with your developers. I feel like uh, we're still in very early stages of uh, this revolution where business internet will 
copy a lot from consumer internet platform companies in the consumer space in the last 15 years. I think there's a lot to copy and there's a lot that they can share with each other. When I say they, I mean a platform's customers sharing with each other, but also a customer's customers sharing with each other. I think we are in the very, very early stages of that revolution. Absolutely. And I loved your point about keeping it simple. And I got a chance to experience that at Nutanix. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll share some of the pieces there, right? Initially, Nutanix was VDI focused on the government. That was the biggest vertical. And it really went, you know, millions of dollars was made right from that business. And then expanding to the next one, then we made healthcare successful, financial services, then we expanded to other use cases. And as an entrepreneur, that's one thing that people can get it wrong because they they like spray and pray. They might like, oh, you know what? Let me go after these 10 things. And then at the end of the day, there's no focus. And, you know, you end up building too many APIs or too many platforms and too many things that confuses the customer. No, I think it's a very good point about trust building. And I go back to uh, one of my other advisors, friends, uh, Deepak Malhotra. He talks about uh, you deliver uh, good news in bits and bytes over time. You don't just deliver all the good news up front. You deliver the bad news up front, but you deliver the good news because that's how trust is built in, in uh, bite-sized chunks. Uh, it's very hard uh, in terms of human psyche for people to basically embrace the entire story all at once because, you know, most good consumers, they're skeptical of so much, you know, value creation right away, mm -hmm. but they're willing to trust you over time. And I think it's just as true for products too. People, first of all, they're busy and you're trying to take 2% of their attention span and what can you deliver in that 2%? And then as they trust you more, they're willing to give you 3% and 5% and 10% of their attention span. I think it has to come in bite-sized chunks because there's no other way to build trust, long-term trust. I mean, of course you could have a very, very hyped up story marketing that could momentarily create some attention span and eyeballs. But most of these are short-lived, ephemeral hype stories. And I think the real trust is created with features that you add over time and you actually bring trust in the platform over time. Yes, yes, I completely get that. Uh, and I think uh, talking the language of the customer and, and meeting them where they are, I, I still remember several times uh, when I've heard you say that uh, even at Nutanix. Let's take a little bit of a shift here on talk about traditional versus modern monopolies, especially highlighting the book's title. Traditional monopolies, they're companies like Standard Oil, which are like from the 1800s, or even in the 90s recently, Microsoft, when it became monopoly, they were all despised. But authors say that the platform monopolies are loved by their customers. Why is that? Well, the, the whole idea of platforms, as the book says, is about... Uh focusing on facilitating connections. You know, that's all they do. They eliminate the marginal costs of production by just focusing on facilitating connections. And, uh, you know, I look at LinkedIn as an example. I'm constantly on LinkedIn and I can discover anybody and everybody and I can even send them an email, you know, from my account. And it's instant. Uh, you know, this uh, idea that I needed to wait for somebody who I knew who could then send an email to someone else, to someone else finally reach that person uh, can now be possible through, through LinkedIn. And I think in this market, the less fragmentation, the better. The exponential nature of uh, network effects actually comes true when you don't have silos. I mean, in fact, as I said, you know, we saw a lot of this come together in a very somber and sober way with the virus as well. You know, if you look at 
virology in general, the more networked we are, the faster it would grow. And the more we try to cut it out by isolating people and going to lockdowns, the slower it grew. And in many ways, I think this is true for these platforms too, that the more networked we are, the more we can discover people and discover connections and discover products and services, the better it is for the users as well. Which is not to say that uh, these modern monopolies don't compete with each other because at the end of the day, there's only so much finite time, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week that consumers have that eventually they still have to compete with each other for the attention span of those hundreds of millions of consumers are all buying their uh, attention span for. Absolutely. You know, I would love to hear about your new journey. We've been talking about the modern monopolies, the platform, the value of the platform. And now that we have an idea of how platforms are eating the world, we would love to hear about the problem you're solving with the DevRev platform. No, in fact, as I said, you know, I think we had built a beautiful linear business at Nutanix. And of course, because people moved jobs and they loved what they saw with the Nutanix experience, when they went to a new place, they actually recommended Nutanix to the new employer. So there was an element of network effects built, built in as well. We had a very uh, captive channel. The channel loved the fact that, you know, there was extreme repeat business. And a lot of these things are part of the network effects. You know, when the channel liked the repeat business, they would go and recommend us to their new customers and their in our, as we call, white space accounts. When our customers' employees moved from one employer to another, they would then recommend Nutanix one more time. So there was an element of network effects built in. But in terms of distribution, I think the world has come a long way and the cloud has proven that there is the network effect of the mall, the big mall of the public cloud, where you get a lot of these suppliers to come in and deliver services. And I think in many ways, uh, the opportunity that I saw was that, you know, you could really get the developers to really think about the network of their customer. You know, how do you connect developers to customers? Because up until then, it was a highly fragmented experience going from developers in the back office to end users who might be six, seven layers away. I think a lot of that is actually going to shrink and think and look a lot more like the consumer internet where code runs everything. The website, between the website and the end user, there's no one. And I think in a large chunk of the business internet will actually follow this. The transaction between a B2B SaaS company and its end users is going to be a lot simpler than we had ever thought. And of course, it will mean a lot of self-service, a lot of design delight, and a lot of one-click experiences. And, and it redefines a lot of uh, things between the developer and the end user. You know, There won't be six, seven, eight layers of people between them and the end user. So what does it mean in terms of developer-customer relationship management? You know, I think that those are the areas that we are thinking hard about. It's very early days for us, but we're thinking hard about platform, the network effects the core transaction, you know, and it keeps me awake. Are we keeping it simple enough? And we think a lot about customers, customers. Uh, we are trying to really make the customers, customers interactions, API ready and API driven. And uh, really looking at back office and front office as two sides of the same coin. You know, gone are the days when you could leave developers in the back office and shun them away from talking to customers directly. In fact, Slack came and changed a lot. If anything, the developers felt so empowered to go and talk to the end users. And the customers loved it too in the B2B land where the end user was directly talking to a developer over Slack in real time, you know, as well. We believe that there is a way to canonicalize a lot of this, uh, you know, newfound, I would say, empathy that developers have come to have with uh, customers and what customers' curiosity for the day and the week in the life of a developer. Uh, so that both can work for each other and we don't have this loss in translation about he said, she said, 
what are the real priorities and which of these users, because as the book talks about this too, that not all users are created equal. You got to really take that into consideration when you're really thinking about what to develop and stuff like that. So we are you know, thinking hard about the next generation system record, how would it really capture the developer customer relationship and how do you make it very intelligent, machine driven and highly engaging? That sounds really exciting. Uh, you know, I think I completely resonate with what you said. Nowadays, the developer as a persona is a critical person to, to consider and also to have the right solutions and value uh, in addition to all the customer personas. Uh, so it's good that you're putting the highlight on the developer and enabling them, empowering them uh, through your DevRev platform. Uh, I'm really looking forward yeah. to more and I'm sure that audience. And you know, I think uh, we one of the things that the book talks about too, which is sort of uh, the antithesis of another idea the book talks about. One one idea is keep the core transactions simple, like really simple, and then deliver features over time. And of course, the other side of this is that the network has a lot of angst built in because the early users they're like, well, I don't know if I should be the first ones to really go and use the network. So they talk about monetary subsidies, providing security to the early users through a large upfront investment. You know, what does it mean to really say that we are here to stay? And in many ways, uh, the seed round that we have raised, a uh, $50 million round, is really uh, in the spirit of providing that security because we're going and trying to disrupt a very large market. We're trying to build a system of record. We'll have to go and displace incumbents and uh, it'll require that security for our network, for our developer users, our developers' customers, that this large upfront investment will be held in good stead over time. Excellent, Deeraj. I'm curious, are there any learning lessons from building Nutanix that you look to leverage as you're building DevRev? Well, some of the core principles will remain the same. I think the big idea of keeping it simple, keeping it elegant, I mean, letting the word of mouth travel about how simple we are, I think we've got to do more of it. There's no sort of shortcut to success, I must say. I think we have no guarantees that we'll succeed as a company, but we definitely feel like the experience of the last 10 years, especially on distribution. Like, what does it mean to think like a consumer internet company? It's a very important lesson from Nutanix because you know, in my last company, we kind of took a distribution model that already existed for 20 years. And uh, now people are talking about product-led everything, you know, not just sales-led, but product-led. And, you know, there's good, I would say, proof out there that you got to balance the two. It's like a hamburger strategy, as people say, both product-led and sales-led. And, you know, sales-led is a rite of passage because eventually you'll be ready for the enterprise customer. And that's where sales-led will still be prevalent. But what does it mean to really keep it product-led? How do you really do more self-service? And how do you bring the developer to the forefront of the front office? I think these are all new things uh, that uh, will be looking at and trying to explore and exploit and and be that company that really was able to take this idea of product-led with a lot of digital uh, selling, a lot of inside sales-based selling to the next level. I think um, we are scratching, barely scratching the surface of this. I mean, a lot of next generation companies have proven that the enterprise sales model is a rite of passage. You'll eventually you'll get there like Zoom and Twilio and uh, Datadog and others. But initially, how do you really build this with the word of mouth, uh, keeping it simple? I think a great reminders for us to bring a lot of good lessons from Nutanix 
but at the same time go and uh, really rethink distribution in a way that is more consumer internet like than the b2b sales of the last 20 30 years that sounds good freshworks is also in the same boat by the way with the product led growth uh, uh, you know fueling the first couple of hundred million and now with the sales led taking it to the billion dollar uh, you know vision mm-hmm. uh, right so uh, yeah and i think it, it won't be easy i can tell you that for ourselves the way we think about it is that there's really two ends of the barbell there's a simple user which is the 80% of uh, the user base on the platform. And then there is the advanced user who is looking for all sorts of bells and whistles. Whistles, And how do you really balance this barbell where you make it customizable, extensible, you have an amazing object model uh, that can be extended for the enterprise use case and the enterprise workflows versus the default choice as uh, Deepak Malhotra calls it, you know, the power of the default. Uh, I think these two are like just opposites of each other. So we are thinking about it all the time and I think it will take us uh, an amazing amount of, uh, I would say, reminders on keeping it simple and yet keeping it extensible in the balance of the paradox will be key. Fantastic, Deeraj. It it has been great to hear about modern monopolies from you. Any final words of advice for our listeners here? I would say everybody should get the vaccine because the virus is also a platform, although a bad one at that. Um, I think we have to cut out its uh, network, you know, fragment everything, make sure that we don't have these vectors that actually go and continue to you know propagate the, the ill effects of the virus. So I think I would really recommend everybody to go get vaccinated. Let's think hard about uh, everything you do with respect to your customers and think about connecting your customers because that will be powerful. Not just talking to them in silos as a one-way street, but what's the peer-to-peer? Uh, that can come through the digital platform, the digital marketplace thinking that the create, connect, consume, and compensate thinking that the book uh, espouses for, I think is very powerful for all of us. That's wonderful, Deeraj. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Listeners, do check out Modern Monopolies. And thank you so much, Deeraj, for being with us here today. My pleasure. Thank you, Preeti.